0: Good morning. So glad you're here today. You know, I'm excited about uh, winter weekend uh, that's coming up. There's, there's, it's just a great moment for our student ministry, but one of the things that's really cool about uh, winter weekend this year is our speaker is Drake Holderman, who is one of our kids uh, that is like he's a man now. he's got, got kids. But, uh, but he grew up here, and it's so amazing to watch. His life and how God has um, allowed us to he grew up here and came from here and now he 's serving the Lord so very well and is our speaker and uh, i 'm just looking forward to seeing how the Lord moves this weekend so if you 're a high school student, you need to sign up if you have a high school student make get them there it 's going to be an incredible weekend now um, you know our church is going through the The New Testament this year, and one of the prayers that I'm I've been praying for our church is that that we become bolder with the gospel than we've ever been. And and as we read through the New Testament, I pray God strengthens us as we study the Gospel of John. Because this entire year on Sunday mornings, we're 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 systematically kind of walking through the Gospel of John. And I'm praying that God really moves us to a boldness like never before. And I can't think of a more important time in the history of the world than now to be bold with the gospel. And so this is something I'm praying for. Now, as we read through the New Testament and as we just turn our face to God's word all the time, I want us to remember something very important that what we're looking at is God's word. I mean, we're making a deal about John. This is the gospel of John, right? but 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 we can't miss the fact that that 2 Timothy 3:16 says this for all scripture is breathed by God and it's useful profitable for teaching for correcting for reproof for correction for training in righteousness and as we turn our face to the bible We've got to remember this is god's word to us and and it makes sense because God used human instruments, but it was god's word to humanity and and you know, as we dig into Matthew, definitely Matthew was led by God to specific a specific message to to the jews and and this is something that that Matthew was led by the Lord with the Jews in mind and and he was pointing out how Jesus of Nazareth, Jesus came from the Jews. That that was not only an important message for the Jews during Matthew's day, it's an important message for us because it was out of the Jewish people, this this man, uh, Israel, that became a nation, the world understood the Messiah. That's important for us. That was the focus of the Gospel of Matthew. We're in the Gospel of John, and and one of the things that John did was he kind of had Jews and Gentiles in mind. Gentiles are non-Jews. And John had both of those, had the whole world in his mind as God led him to present Christ as the living Son of God. God in the flesh. And that's the gospel of John. That's, that was, that's the, a summary of the main point of, of John's gospel, that God led him to communicate to the world that I'm I came in the flesh. That's important to understand. Now, if you have your Bibles this morning, we're in John chapter 1. So if you'd turn there, that'd be great. And we're gonna kind of focus in on John 1 um, 19 through 34. And this morning we're going to rub shoulders with John the Baptist, different than John the Apostle, the author of this book, but, but John the Baptist, according to Matthew eleven eleven, which we read last week in our Bible reading, John the Baptist was the greatest man ever, who ever lived, uh, according to Jesus. That, that's, a, that's some big shoes to fill. I think it's valuable to rub shoulders with him and And uh, you know here 's what I want us to do today where as we read verses nineteen through thirty four I want us to pay attention to two things: one, his life and two his message and and th- those are some things I want us to pay attention to as we as we read his word Now we have a uh, uh, a practice in our church if you 're visiting today we we stand in honor of god 's word, and I want you to stand with me and i 'll tell you why we do this and um um, it's kind of a posture, a, 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 a physical statement to to just give honor, to, to this is God's word to us. And it's kind of a posture of submission, that we we are a church that submits to what God has said. We submit to God's word. And we've seen the value of submitting to what God has said in our lives. And, and so um, I'm thankful. And so what I'll do is I'll read... The text, and then I'll ask you, I'll just simply say, this is the word of the Lord, and I would love for you to just respond by praise be to God for that. So let's read verses 19 through 34 and pay attention to his life and his message. Verse 19, and this is the testimony of John. When the Jews sent priests and Levites from Jerusalem to ask him, who are you? He confessed and did not, den- did not deny, but confessed, I am not the Christ. And they asked him, what then? Are you Elijah? And he said, I'm not. Are you the prophet? And he answered, no. And they said to him, who are you? We need to give an answer to those who sent us. What do you say about yourself? He said, I am the voice of one crying out in the wilderness, Make straight the way of the Lord, as the prophet Isaiah said. Now they had been sent from the Pharisees. They asked him, then why are you baptizing if you are neither the Christ, nor Elijah, nor the prophet? John answered them, I baptize with water, but among you stands one you do not know. Even he who comes after me, the strap of whose sandal I am unworthy, to un- I am not worthy to untie. These things took place in Bethany across the Jordan where John was baptizing. The next day he saw Jesus coming toward him and said, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. This is he of whom I said, After me comes a man who ranks before me, because he was before me. I myself did not know him, but for this purpose I came baptizing with water, that he might be revealed to Israel. And John bore witness. And I saw the Spirit descend from heaven like a dove, and it remained on him. I myself did not know him, but he who sent me to baptize with water said to me, he on whom you see the Spirit descend and remain, this is he who baptizes with the Holy Spirit. I have seen and borne witness that this is the Son of God. This is the word of the Lord. Thank you. You may be seated. Now, now John the Baptist really is one of the most important leaders in the Bible. And and it's helpful to rub shoulders with him. And in in fact, every gospel talks about him. And we've seen this in Matthew. We read about him again this week, uh, about John the Baptist. And and, uh, uh, the, the Bible references him 89 times throughout the New Testament. And and we know about John the Baptist. He was the forerunner of the Messiah, which basically meant his calling was to introduce Christ to the world stage. That's what he did, and it's an important calling that he 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 was preparing people to receive the Messiah. And and, and this morning I want us to learn from his life. So let's let's think about his life for a. For a little bit and let's rub shoulders with him. And we know look at John 1.15. We looked at it last week, but I, I want to highlight this. We see in John 1.15 that John bore witness about him and cried out, this was he of whom I said, who comes after me ranks before me because he was before me. Now, now that's a very interesting, uh, noteworthy lesson that we've got to catch I mean, we know from John the Baptist's life, he was actually about six months older than Jesus, but yet he says, no, no, no. Uh, um, he was before me, John says. And now, now, one of the things you see in, in the Bible, and you see that God has been faithful through history, is that he's been faithful to reveal himself to the world. God has done this. Now, we know from... Uh, like John 1, 18. Look at verse 18. He says, no one has ever seen God, the only God, who is at the Father's side. He has made him known. That God has made himself known to the world. He's, He's revealed himself. And, we, and generally, we can see this. Like we understand Psalm 19, verse 1. It says, the heavens declare the glory of God. The sky above proclaims his handiwork. And all of us have stood on a, on a clear night, looked up into the sky and thought, whoa, man. There's no way that just happened by accident. Let me tell you something, God has created this world that we see. In fact, you could, you could drive right now, you could leave today, like right after church, and drive for seven hours and never leave Oklahoma. Do you know that? Uh, about seven and a half hours from this spot is Kenton, Oklahoma, which has uh, the least amount of light pollution, one of the places in the, in the nation with the least amount of light pollution, and you can see stars beautifully. I know this because I have a son and his friends who, when they were in high school, they were just graduating, and they said we, they figured this out. And they planned a road trip to Kenton, Oklahoma. They had one day to go. And, uh, and they were so excited about it. They got this app on their phone. They could look up in the stars and it defines it. shows what all the stars were. They jumped in their car. They drove to Kenton, Oklahoma. They get to Beaver. And then somebody had the idea, uh, let's look at the forecast. And it was cloudy. And so they turned around and came back home, uh, which was Awesome for them. But, but, but you know what? We've all looked up in the sky. Humanity craves looking up into the sky and goes, wow. You see generally God revealing himself to us. He's the creator. But you know what? Specifically he's revealed himself to us. He, he revealed his name to Moses. This family, he, God said, I'm going to reveal myself to you. Out of you, the world's going to know me. Moses got his name the I am. Uh, then the prophets, they spoke about uh, this God who is calm and, and this process of forgiveness and, and the sacrifice of lambs uh, for sin, spotless lambs for sin. Sin was a big deal, and the world came to recognize that, look, sin was a problem, and the prophets said, there's going to be a Messiah that comes. And then, oh my goodness, John the Baptist shows up, and there he is. We get to see him. We understand what the Bible says. Colossians 1.15 says, Jesus is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. And, And you know, John the Baptist, that was his goal, to point the world that, look, this Jesus is the Savior you need to look for, that we've been looking for, that you need to look for, that you need to see. Now, rubbing shoulders with with John the Baptist, looking at his life, there's some incredible lessons. The first lesson you see about his life is, is significant, and I pray that we catch it today. That, that John the Baptist, from the very beginning, he responded to the presence of God. And, and this is something I pray we learn from him, that, that, that we respond to the presence of God. Think about his life. Now, you know his parents, Zachariah and Elizabeth, those were his parents, And and Zechariah was a priest. He was a Levite. And and Zechariah was chosen. uh, You only got to do this once in your lifetime. He was chosen to go into the temple to sacrifice for sins, to kill the lamb at the altar. And Zechariah goes in. And and in that moment, Gabriel, the angel, showed up and spoke to him and said, hey, I know your wife is old. I know you're senior adults. You're going to have a baby. You're going to name him John. And, and that's what happened. They, they, they raised him, and, and his story's remarkable. We'll read about it through the Gospels. But um, in Luke chapter 1, he said he's going to go before the Messiah, and he's going to prepare the way of the Lord. And, and the spirit of Elijah is going to be on him, and, and, and he's going to make the way ready for the Lord. And Zechariah was like, all right, here we go. But then Gabriel, right after he went to Zechariah, he went to Mary. And told Mary, look, you're gonna have a baby. And Mary was dealing with that whole crisis of, of, oh my goodness, how do I explain this to Joseph? And Gabriel said, look, I'm gonna be with you. And in Luke chapter one, verse 31, he says, and behold, you'll conceive in your womb and bear a son and you'll call his name Jesus. And so we know the story. Mary then goes to visit her cousin. He, she goes to visit Elizabeth. Elizabeth is pregnant with John. And Luke 1 tells us how John responded even in the womb. In Luke 1, verse 42 and through, uh, 42 and, uh, through 44, it says this, And she exclaimed with a loud cry as, as Mary walks in, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the fruit of, the, of your womb. And why is this granted to me that the mother of my Lord should come to me? For behold, when the sound of your greeting came to my ears, the baby in my womb leapt for joy. And what you see in John the Baptist is this incredible lesson of a man that from the womb responds to the presence of Jesus. And he did that all through his life. He responded to the presence of God. He did it right here in this passage as he sees Jesus and says, Look, there he is. He, he understood his calling and his role in life and, and he responded to the presence of God. And you know what? I think that's a lesson we need to catch. Do you respond to the presence of God? I pray we learn to respond quickly to God's presence. I pray that we move when God moves us. And I wanna be a, a, a pastor that moves every time God moves me, even if I don't understand it. I want to be a, a person, I pray we're a church that responds to God, that understands like we read in Matthew 5, or excuse me, Matthew 6, verse 33, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and everything will be given to you as well, that we are a people that seek the Lord. We said, Lord, I'm going to seek you and I'm going to move when you move me. Are you like that? Do you respond to the voice of God? i got to tell you, this is a lesson from from the life of John the Baptist that we got to catch. I don't want to miss living my life not responding when God moves. Boy, I want to be quick to respond to the voice of God. This is a lesson from his life. There's a second lesson from his life that I think is really interesting. Um, When you think about John the Baptist, his lifestyle moved others to ask questions about the Lord. This is convicting to me. I want to move when God moves, but I also want to live a life that causes people to ask questions about God. Look at verse look at verse 19. And this is the testimony of John. When the Jews sent priests and Levites from Jerusalem to ask him, who are you? He confessed and did not deny, but confessed, I'm not the Christ. And they asked him, what then? Are you Elijah? He said, I'm not, are you the, and notice this, he says, are you the prophet? Now, now John was a prophet, but notice what these these religious leaders, they knew what they were talking about, but then they didn't know what they were talking about because they missed Jesus. But they said, are you the prophet? They didn't say, are you a prophet? Are you the prophet? Are you the Messiah? And he says, no. And they asked him, who are you? You need to give an answer to those who sent us what you say about yourself. And one of the things I see about John that's a lesson that I pray we catch is that he lived this life that moved others to go, dude, what makes you tick? And this is the calling I think we have as believers. How tragic it would be for you to profess a relationship with Christ but not have a life that that looks like it. And I'm moved as I look at John and go, man, I, and here's the thing. Once, once you know forgiveness, you can't help but be impacted by that. And John had this life, that, uh, this walk with the Lord, that it was normal for him, for someone to go, dude, you got to tell me about you. You know, we're seeing this right now in our church. Uh, Hey, look, uh, last Sunday night, I thought Harrison was going to go to heaven. I go to his house in the middle of the night, and, man, uh, we thought it was time. The next morning, I go to see him, and he's like, he's looking at me. I'm like, hey, man, how are you? That's not good. He's a tough day. But I just said, hey, you're alert. Let's talk about heaven. And I just started talking to him. Man, this is what heaven's going to be like, man. You're about to see Jesus. You're, you, it's it's going to be a great, the greatest reunion you've ever seen. You're going to be in the very presence of God. You're going to hear, well done. You've been running incredibly, Harrison. And I started talking to him about heaven. He reached over and touched my hand. And he said, it's going to be Okay like, man, I'm supposed to encourage you with your faith, and you're sitting here strengthening mine. And then he said, I was trying to, Mallory was helping me a little bit, but he said, picture. I go, you want me to take a picture? Yeah. And then he said, post. I go, you want me to post a picture? Yeah. All right. So I took a picture, and I, before I left his house, I posted it on social media. And, oh, my goodness, the responses to that, um, unbelievable. People I don't even know. And, and, and you know, people are saying, how can you be strong in a moment like this? Because Harrison's living a life that that causes people to go, what makes you tick? It's Jesus that does that. Uh, Yesterday. I was just Mallory and I, and she says to me, you know, Chris, um, you know what makes this okay? As hard as this is, I know where he's going. Jesus makes this different. And folks, I want you to know we're seeing right up in front of our eyes. John the Baptist, who lived a life that caused people to go, wait, hey, wait, Jesus is real. We're seeing it in a young firefighter in our church showing us that God's strength is real. Now, he's not far from heaven. Let's, let's understand that. But heaven is the goal for us. And, and all of us are going to walk through that same door at some point. It's going to come in different ways in different times. But I'll tell you, I am moved by Harrison, by John the Baptist, to live this lifestyle that causes people to go, wait a minute. It reminds me of 1 Peter 3, 15 and 16. This is a verse you should memorize. It should be normal for us to to, to walk with Jesus in public, to take a stand for the Lord, to be bolder with the gospel than ever before. 1 Peter 3, 14 and 15, in your hearts set apart, 15 and 16, in your hearts set apart Christ as Lord. This is a calling we have to set about Christ as Lord, to always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give a reason for the hope that you have. But you do this with gentleness and respect. This is a calling for us. John set this example that, that he, his lifestyle moved others to ask questions about the Lord. That's a, that's a lesson from his life. There's another lesson I think that's so very valuable. He turned the attention away from himself and towards Jesus. He didn't just say, hey, look at me. He goes, no, 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 look at Jesus. Look at verse 23. He says, look, I'm the voice of one crying out in the wilderness. Make straight the way of the Lord, as the prophet Isaiah said. Now it says they have been sent from the Pharisees. That's the religious leaders. Those are people that should have been able to recognize the Messiah, but they didn't. They asked him, then why are you baptizing if you are neither the Christ or Elijah, or the prophet, John answered them, I baptized with water, but among you stands one you don't know. One of the most tragic statements in the Bible. Among you stands one you don't know, even, who, even he who comes after me. Um, even he who comes after me, the strap of whose sandal I'm, un, I'm not worthy to untie. You, you know, Matthew, uh, Matthew recorded this, mo- uh, this moment of John the Baptist and tells us he was the greatest man born of women. And I think it's noteworthy. One of the reasons why he said, look, I'm not focused on myself. I want you to see Jesus. We're going to get into John 3, verse 30 coming up, where John the Baptist makes one of the most incredible statements in Scripture, John 3, 30. He must increase, I must decrease. And see, John was faithful to say, I want you to see Jesus. And when I look at moving into 2024, this is what our world needs to recognize Jesus what he can do, what what he offers. Because it's only Jesus that offers hope in this life and the next. We see this. As we rub shoulders with John, you gotta hear these messages from his life, these lessons from his life. But you know what else I think is important as you think about John the Baptist? We've gotta repeat his message I want you to notice his message. This is a message that needs to be repeated. Verse 28, these things took place in Bethany across the Jordan where John was baptizing. The next day he saw Jesus coming toward him and said, behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. This is he of whom I said, after me comes a man who ranks before me because he was before me. I myself did not know him, but for this purpose I came, baptizing with water that he might be revealed to Israel. And, and what John was doing is saying, you gotta see Jesus, because that's the one that takes away the sin of the world. You see, John preached this message of repentance. And, and this is a, a confrontational message. An offensive message. You have a lot of pastors today that are that are like, oh, a lot of churches, I don't want to offend anybody. Oh, let's just not be offensive. Let's let's try to soften this message of the gospel, but but I'll tell you what, that's not our right to soften a message of repentance. God confronted me I said, Chris, you're going the wrong direction. What is repentance? It means to turn around. But you're not just turning around, you're turning to Jesus. And God faithfully tells us that hell is a real place, that heaven is a real place. That when you die, death's not the end. It's simply the door to eternal life. And all of us will walk through that door. And, and John was very clear, pointing to the fact that re- repentance is critical. And, and, you know, let me just show you a picture of John's message. This is a picture of it. And I want to I just walk you through this picture of John's message. John understood that God started the world. And it was perfect, but this, this tragedy happened. Sin entered the world through Adam. And in this, in this sin so impacted the world, it was, a, it was an inheritance that every one of us received. We received this inheritance from Adam. Sinfulness, rebellion against God. And sin is our greatest Problem. Lostness is, is plaguing the world we live in and has all through history. And John understood. These Pharisees came to him and said, wait, wait a minute, the, uh, um, who are you? What, is, what are you saying? He's saying, behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. See, these Pharisees, these religious leaders understood that idea. They understood that that a lamb needed to be sacrificed. This was all through the history of God's people, the children of Israel, that that this lamb was sacrificed, this spotless, spotless lamb. And he looked at Jesus and said, Behold, there he is. That's the lamb who takes away the sin of the world. Now, these Pharisees, they they had to learn that they were sinners. You see, this is what humanity has to do to learn they were sinners. This is why John said you need to repent. This was true in the first century, this is true today. You see, sin breaks our fellowship with the Lord. It breaks the, the God's design. And you know, mankind has historically, in the, it's true of the first century. When John was preaching, it's true today. Mankind wanted to run to relationships. Oh, it's a, maybe I can have meaning in relationships, but that doesn't work. Mankind thought, oh, well, if I can be successful and I can have money, here they are in Rome, Roman provinces and, and Roman governance and Roman prosperity. And you know what? No one found meaning there. In the first century and all through history, no one has found meaning in money and prosperity, in governance. That's not even hard to recognize in our political climate of this year. There's no peace there. There's no stability in riches and governance. And people run to all kinds of different ways. They did it here and they do it now. People run to, to their own way. We all, like sheep, have gone astray. Each one has turned to his own way. You know, people run to religion. Here's John confronted by some of the most religious people in history, the Pharisees. They built a religion, but missed Jesus. And, And then John says, repent. Look, believe in him. Look to Jesus. This is his message. Repent. Believe. And this is not just a head knowledge of God. This is not an adherence to a set of facts. It's a surrender your life to, to Christ. That's what belief is. And because that's the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. And then Jesus proved it because he went on from this moment that he was with John the Baptist and he he, he continued to live his life and do miracles and teach and preach and then he went to the cross and he died. He took the blame for us. You see the blame test there is, was true in the first century, it's true today that, that we tend to blaspheme God, we tend to um, reject his voice, reject his his word. We tend to want to be our own God. We 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 are quick to lie to ourselves, lie to one another. I mean, this is um, I just this is just humanity. We Jesus talked about in the Sermon on the Mount that we read last week that it's the heart that is evil, and He says, "Look, even if you." Um, lust after somebody else, you commit adultery in your heart. If you are angry with somebody, you commit murder in your heart. It, it, you, you have a tendency to want to be your own God. None of that works. You tend to, we tend to steal from, manipulate one another. And Governments don't have the answer. You can't find the answer apart from Christ. Repent. Believe in him. And when you do, when you come to Jesus, when you put your trust in him, look, your sin is taken away. We saw two young ladies baptized this morning. Two more came up after the first service and said, Look, I need to to be baptized. Two people came up and said, I need to be baptized. John the Baptist, what does baptism mean? When somebody's baptized, it's a profession of what's already taken place in their heart and and they go under that water and they come back up and that water washes off of them and it's a, a picture of Jesus washing their sins away. That's what happens when you repent and you believe. Baptism doesn't save you. It's an outward testimony of what took place in your heart. But oh, Jesus washes our sins away, and we're blameless, and we're made whole. And this is why even in a moment of, as we watch this slow walk up to the door of death through Harrison Mosby, he's very, the strength of this young man and and the calling of this young man is to point so many in our community, in our city, in our state to the hope of Christ. I want you to know he's going to go to heaven, not because he earned it or deserved it, but because Jesus made him blameless. He came to understand that he needed a Savior, and I want you to know you need a Savior too. Like Andrew said this morning as he, uh, Brandon mentioned it, uh, he looked at that young lady today and said, has Jesus saved you? He said, yes, he has. Has Jesus saved you? That's a great question. That was John's question. That was John's statement. There's the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Look at verse 32, and we'll end today. And John bore witness I saw the Spirit descend from heaven like a dove and it remained on him. I myself did not know him, but he who sent me to baptize with water said to me, he on whom you see the Spirit descend and remain, this is he who baptizes with the Holy Spirit. I have seen and borne witness that this is the Son of God. And this morning, I pray we catch these lessons from his life, that we're quick to respond to God, that those of us that know Christ as, a sa- as Savior, we are focused on living a life that represents Jesus, that, that we are more faithful with the gospel than we've ever been, that we are truly living as ambassadors for Christ. I'm telling you something. I want to meet the Lord like Harrison's going to meet the Lord, running my race with faithfulness. And I think it's noteworthy to recognize that as people started praying, strength came to him. And I think it's just another lesson that we're to recognize God sees us. And God has been faithful in just the burst of strength that he gave him in these moments. And he's going to be faithful the day that he says, Harrison, come home. Finish this race. And though that's going to be soon, let me tell you something. God is faithful. And this is why we should be faithful to represent him as a follower of Christ. And I pray that we run our races well. And do you believe him? Not with your head, but with your life. Do you believe him? Are you going to move when God moves you? You know, we're going to have an invitation, and we have some people that are around the room, and I want you to go. If you're one of our just prayer team, I want you to go around the room today. And, you know, we want to pray with you. You don't have to go to the front. You can go to the back if you need to. But look, there's men and women around the room that want to walk with you. I want you to know you're not alone. There's power when you pray. God sees you where you are. And today, maybe you are one that you don't know Christ as your Savior. I want you to know Jesus is the Lamb of God who can take away your sin. And that's big in both this life. It's big in this life. It's really big in the life to come. How oh, don't you see Jesus? Aren't you motivated to follow him with all you have? Follow him like never before. Bolder than we've ever been. More faithful than we've ever been. Would you move as God moves you? Some of us need, we need to pray for the Mosby. Some of you need to come and pray. Maybe you need to bow your maybe it's hard for you to come. Um down front. You know. Um bow right where you're where you're seated. As Brandon leads us in the song, maybe you need to just stay seated and just seek the Lord right in your seat. Do that. If you can come and get on your knees, let's, let's lift them to the Lord. If you need Jesus today, maybe you need to be baptized today, come like Tatum this morning little junior high girl walks down front and says, you know what? I got saved on Easter. It's time to be, make that public. God spoke to me today. And that little girl, she's a cute little girl, comes down with a, a confidence, with intentionality. And you could just see the spiritual strength of this young lady's life. Maybe you need to follow Tatum's example and it's time to be baptized. Time to tell the world, look, I'm a follower of Jesus. Move. Would you stand where you are? Lord, I love you. I thank you for your word. I thank you for the strength that you provide. I thank you for what we get to see right in front of our eyes. I thank you for John the Baptist's life. And I pray that we would repeat his message faithfully, clearly, boldly, accurately. I pray that we would live lives worthy of this calling that you've given us. Lord, I love you. Would you move us now? In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.